Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. I'm Wendy Cherry, your host, and I am so excited about today's topic and guest. So today's topic is all about homeschooling. And Monica Utsi is a writer, blogger, homeschool consultant, and also an essential oil wellness advocate and a homeschooling parent of 17 years. Wow. 17 years. Okay. For more than 20 years, Monica has written for a variety of local and national publications. And um, she currently writes about the joys and challenges of educating African-American boys in her blog, Chocolate Covered Boy Joy. That's a cool name. I <laughs> love that you. name. She co-founded the Sankofa Homeschool Community in 2004. And it is a vibrant online community for homeschoolers of color. Okay, okay. And in 2011, she co-founded the Sankofa Homeschool Collective, which is a cooperative learning communities for homeschoolers of color. Well, okay, a cooperative learning community for homeschoolers of color. So who knew that they existed? So that's why you're here. I wanted to learn more about that. And she's passionate about organizing, especially around issues important to women. And after the birth of her first son, she joined Mocha Moms, which is a national organization for mothers of color, and has served as the founding president of the Southern DC chapter since 2002. And she is a proud graduate of Howard University. Welcome. Thank you. Welcome. Thank you so much. So that's a lot. It's a lot. You have a lot going on. I do. Always. So homeschooling, what is that? What I'm picturing is um, the mom. I'm picturing a mom. I feel bad that I'm not thinking of dads, but my mind automatically goes to the mom. Usually it is. Okay. And she's just teaching the kids reading, writing, and arithmetic or whatever it is. At the kitchen table. At the kitchen table. And... Is that close? No, that's, well, I mean, for some it is. That, that's a, uh, a myth. Okay. But, you know, homeschooling is very unique. Um, it depends on the family. It can look different from home to home. It okay. depends on, you know, what kind of homeschooling you're doing, that you have people who unschool, you have people mm. who use who homeschool from a classical perspective. You have people who are eclectic homeschoolers who do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, okay. which is what I consider myself. Okay. Um, and so it just depends. It depends on the family. It depends on the needs of the child. Um, so, you know, homeschooling comes in a variety of different flavors, I like to say. Okay. And you say you consider yourself more of the eclectic Version variety yes. of homeschooling. Yes. Okay, because I've done a little bit of you know all of it. Um, you know, I've tried classical um, conversations, which is a co-op and also an approach to homeschooling. Okay, um, I, I did um, unschooling in the very beginning, um, and you know now I just go with whatever works best okay. for the child and for the family. Okay, so I have lots of questions written down. So I think maybe the best thing, well, for me, I wanted to just tell you a little story about how I even came to know homeschooling. So when I was in middle school in New Jersey, there was a girl who was homeschooled, an African-American girl. And I remember hearing the women talk about her 
because she was very quiet and they were talking about that she wasn't as social as the other kids and part of why they said she wasn't as social was because they said that she was homeschooled by her parents so she didn't get a lot of interaction and so it just stuck in my brain I knew the girl she's like four years four or five years older than me and this was in the 80s yeah early 80s um so I just always had that in my brain fast forward to me having my daughter and fast forward to my daughter who is now in the 10th grade and she's still in public school much to my chagrin (laughs) but you know um the fourth grade she came home with a test and one of the questions it was a study guide for a test and one of the questions was um the africans were uh migrated or Mm. they migrated Mm. to virginia and this is in virginia wow they migrated to virginia and they settled there. Wow. Right. So this is word I'm choice reading, is powerful. Word choice is powerful. So I'm reading this study guide and I'm like, yo. Now mind you, you know, my mom always my mom was a homeschooler too in, in another way because we watched every documentary. We she exposed us to everything. We were in New York on you know watching plays. We were watching very That's um, right. Mother is a first teacher. The family is a first teacher. You should right. everybody should be homeschooling. Yes. You know, whether they their child attends a traditional school or not. Right. That's that's our responsibility. That's a part of parenting. You know, True food, that. shelter and education. And education. So You know, I think that I probably knew a lot more than other kids. Now, my mom wasn't the fight, the power in the traditional way that you see with the fist up. But I think just her dropping those seeds Mm -hmm. and sharing things with us. She always does that. She does it to this day. She's always like, I have this documentary. You got to watch whatever. (laughs) So I told my daughter, that's not true. And I said, they were actually brought there. They were actually kidnapped. Yeah. <laughs> there, right? Stolen. Stolen. Yeah. And so at that point, I had already traced my um, DNA back to Cameroon mm. and to Sierra Leone. And so, and then I was studying Dr. Ben and Dr. Clark, and just all different types of people. So mm-hmm. now my brain was already awakening. I'm like, you will not tell my daughter this. And she believed this is true. I don't care about the other kids at this point. She's not going to believe this is true. So she takes the test. She brings it home. Mm -hmm. She wrote in, they did not settle. And, you know, they did not settle. They were enslaved. They (laughs) They were brought there and kidnapped. And she wrote that on that paper. And I was wondering what the teacher was thinking, but I was, and she was proud to show it to me. Fourth grade, she was like, look, mommy, and she was smirking. So I'm like, yes, (laughs) you know, one victory because it was in her brain. Nope. She Good. didn't. They didn't mark it wrong. Right. So I think the excuse they use sometimes is that they can't tell the whole truth at that age. But, you know, I, I, I disagree because it happened. Right. You know, and, and truth is truth, regardless of the age. Now, you have to you do have to, to speak to your children at their level. But there's nothing wrong with telling the truth that people were kidnapped because they'll tell you about the Holocaust. Absolutely. All the way to the sneakers. All the way. You'll know all the details. So anyway, so I just was like, um, now I know I'm going to have to really get in there Mm -hmm. and figure out what I'm, what is my child learning? You know what I'm saying? And so she was at a Spanish immersion school because I knew that I wanted her to be bilingual and that was the only option that I knew. So I wanted something for her. And then her dad is part Dominican. Mm-hmm. So we figured that would be a good um, route for her. But the cultural stuff, I was like, I need to really get in there and figure this out, even though I didn't know mm-hmm. all of it either. Like mm-hmm. I say, I'm, I was just at that point, however many years ago that was, just starting to unlock my brain, too. Right. Because even though my mom gave me good resources the, the every single day public school information Columbus Day and growing up in New Jersey it's all about European culture absolutely European. it's all about that we had all those holidays off and they put it in your brain and I remember making the little walnut boats 
for the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria. <laughs> I remember that. You know what I'm saying? So it was just in my brain. So fast forward to her going to high school. I really wanted this experience for her. I came to know who you, who the Sankofa Homeschool Collective was. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we're doing it. <laughs> and then my her my ex-husband was like, we're not doing it. Like, <laughs> what does that look like? She's not going to get what she needs. Or, you know, just some of the fears that mm-hmm. I'm sure most parents would have when they're not used to that's interesting. something that's alternative. It's very interesting that parents worry about that when... Um, you know, the schools just aren't doing what they're supposed to do these days. And, you know, it's I just find that puzzling that we as um, African people can accomplish so much in terms of business, in terms of going to college ourselves, in terms of our um you know, our employment and then feel that we don't possess the ability to to give our own children a basic education and think that the schools will do better. Right. Not all schools are terrible. Right. But if you're in a situation where you have to choose from bad to worse and you have the flexibility and mm-hmm. you can do it, don't doubt yourself. I find that homeschool people are some of the most creative, mm-hmm. some of the most phenomenal and just out of the box thinkers I've ever met. Right. Once you once you decide that you can do it cuz it's it's really it's a lot of work. Yeah. But it's not that difficult. Right. And if you know how to find a resource, you can give your child anything you need. A friend of mine and I, we joke with each other about how we are about finding resources and she said, "If my son told me he wanted to go to the moon, I would say, you know what, mama going to give NASA a call. We're going to make this happen. Right. So I think that, you know, being able to just dig up what you need and connect with people and even people in your family, everybody, you know, people in your family have different jobs, different Mm -hmm. things that they do. You can reach out to them to help Mm -hmm. you, to, to mentor you, to share resources. I mean, it's just, and, and especially in this area where we right, live, right. I always say that this, the DMV is a homeschooler's paradise. It I is. was just telling it my is. son, my youngest son the other day when he was complaining about, um, he had to go to tennis. I said, boy, do you I have know to go to that how much tennis lessons are per hour? And we live across the street from the Washington Tennis Foundation. So he gets free tennis lessons oh, wow. five days a week. Oh, wow. So I'm like, you're getting out of here and you're going to tennis. Right. And there's so many resources, free resources like this in mm-hmm. this city yes. that you can take advantage of whether you homeschool or not. Right. Right. So I feel like... Let's go way to the beginning. Okay. And let's even just talk about how homeschooling came to be or how traditional what we know now came to be. Okay. Because the homeschooling was first. Yeah, I did a little research um, because I actually didn't know the history, history of homeschooling. And before compulsory school, we all homeschooled. That was a part of the homestead you know you grew your own food you took care of your home you taught your child Mm -hmm. and um, in 1837 Massachusetts opened its first public school and so compulsory education began began to grow Um, and uh, by 1918 all states um, had public schools and it was Mm. compulsory you had to send your child to school so that that freedom was taken away from the parent. And right. then again in the 60s and the 70s, I guess with the, you know, the, the free living movement, right. homeschooling became popular again, but okay. it, was, it was illegal. And it wasn't until, oh, well, it says um, in 1956, Nevada passed legislation to make homeschooling legal, followed by Utah okay. in 1957. But it wasn't until 24 years later in the 80s hmm. when um, the other states followed. And okay. I graduated from high school in 1985. So okay. that means that homeschooling had only been legal for five years when wow. I graduated from right. high school. And it wasn't until in 89, Michigan, North Dakota, and Iowa 
were the only three states that considered homeschooling illegal. And hmm. then by 1993, which wasn't that long ago. I graduated college in 93. Yeah. Yikes. Not that long ago, which is, wow. Um, all 50 states, it's now legal to homeschool. But... What's interesting is that every state is different. Okay. So we live in the DMV. Um, in DC, uh, there's not um, what's called uh, like an invasive oversight where you have to come in twice a year, bring a portfolio, and oh. show a reviewer what you have been doing and take um, what are they called? Standardized tests. Okay. That's all. That's what, the standardized tests are optional in DC. Okay. And the portfolio review is only if, you know, something some red flag goes up somehow. Okay. I don't okay. know how it go up. Right. And then sometimes people are randomly chosen for um review in okay. DC, but it's not like something that you have to put on your calendar that twice a year in DC you're going to be reviewed. Now in hmm. Maryland, Prince George's County, that's different. Yeah. In Montgomery County it's different. In Virginia it's very different. Right. So even though Sankofa Homeschool community, we have members from all over the DMV. Mm-hmm. Homeschooling is very different depending upon the state that you live in. Gotcha. So one thing that I heard recently, and I've heard it plenty of times, was that the Carnegie family, they are part of the group who created a traditional school because they were trying to create industry and create workers who were ready to come into their industry. So they are the ones who created the actual lecture style with a schoolhouse Mm. and making the kids sit in rows and for a certain amount of hours a day and one teacher to however many students to prepare this workforce. Mm -hmm. Industrialization. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of where probably... That's what I heard was the origin. So I'm thinking about being in on the eastern shore of Virginia, um, where my grandparents were, and we would ride up and down this this one lane street or two lane street, and there was this little white broken down house there. And my grandparents told me on many occasions that's where we went to Mm -hmm. school, and then we didn't get to finish. You know, I don't even think that they got to finish. I think they kind of went in and out, but it was like a, it's a farming community where mm-hmm. they where they were raised in um, the Eastern Shore on Accomack County. And so they also Accomack County and that Eastern Shore, Princess Anne, Maryland, they I'm were from that area. I'm from the Eastern Shore of Maryland. OK, well, <laughs> that group of people were not. Um, considered to be a part of the Emancipation Proclamation. If you read the Emancipation Proclamation, it specifically says Accomack County, Princess Anne, and all these other places are not a part of it. It's right there in it. Wow. Because my dad is, <clears throat> excuse me, my dad went to UMES in the, fi- the late 50s, and then he actually went there, and that's where he passed. Mm. He spent the, his, the last part of his life at UMES's campus. Mm. And so... Me just reading and knowing where my mom is from and just knowing how I felt going there, it was the first time that I ever experienced um, growing up in Jersey, on the Jersey Shore. We went to the beach all the time, Mm -hmm. and I remember wanting to go to the beach there, and my granddaddy said, they don't let little brown babies go to the beach here. So now that I've read this, and it's right there, you can look it up, and then knowing that that little school was there, and they didn't get a chance to go to but knowing how many people were in those fields when my grandparents owned fields everybody owned fields and I remember being a little sixth grader I mean six year old seven year old wanting to get out there with the older people to pick mm-hmm. pick stuff mm-hmm. pick um, cucumbers pick right. whatever and I remember old ladies like 70 year olds 80 year olds out there in those fields mm. coming to get money Mm. because there was no education the education is the key and if you can get the education away from the people never expose them to anything Mm -hmm. then you'll have 70 and 80 year old old ladies in the hot sun Mm -hmm. picking cucumbers so they knew what they were doing but you know i I look at i kind of look at that a different way even though i wasn't living during Mm -hmm. that time but that we think uh, that education can only happen in a classroom, but a lot of times those were the ones who were the most wise. Well, they had the wisdom. They had the they wisdom. Had wisdom. But they, you, make... they weren't getting paid for wisdom. True. We talk about being able to 
they were trying to make money out there at them cucumbers. Right. Wisdom and, you know, skills, the hard skill that you can use to get paid. Right, right. It's different. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So we got the history down. Um, so let's talk about how in your, um, that you know, black people got back into it after being put into the, the traditional school system. Now, I know grandparents taught kids, moms taught kids mm-hmm. for, for decades, but how did it come back to be such a formalized way? Uh, homeschooling in mm-hmm. general? Mm-hmm. Well, um, I believe that in the 1980s is when the homeschool movement began to pick up steam. Um, but I, I think that it wasn't until... I would say in 2000 and beyond when Mm -hmm. the growth of African-American homeschoolers began. Uh, Some of the numbers that I've read said 220,000. I think that number is very low. Oh, low. Okay. Very low because, you know, there are some people who are homeschooling under the radar, meaning they don't involve themselves in any part of the system. Okay. And so, you know, those people aren't necessarily counted. Um, And, you know, for me, when I started homeschooling, there was not a lot of African-American visibility where Mm -hmm. homeschooling Mm -hmm. is concerned. Um, And, you know, I I didn't intend to homeschool, ironically. That's what I was going to ask. How did you get into it? Well... You know, I was set on my son, my first child. He he wasn't going to public school. Mm-hmm. I had gotten that in my mind. He had to have organic. He had to be breastfed. He had to go to private school. I don't know where that came from. Right. Um, and were you raised that way? I wasn't. Okay. I was not. My mother didn't breastfeed. Um, I didn't go to private school. Okay. Um, so I was actually raised as a Jehovah's Witness. So, okay. Um, so I guess my life was a 360, mm-hmm. my adult life. Mm-hmm. So... I really wanted him to attend a language immersion school. Mm-hmm. Don't know where I got that idea from, <laughs> right. but I wanted him to be fluent in more than one language. Right. And so when he, I was, I, but before that, I wanted to, I wanted him to go to, you know, fancy preschool. And um, my husband, who has since passed away, I'm a widow, but he was living at the time, and I remember him saying, "I'm not paying for them to teach." <laughs> my son preschool you have a degree you teach him right okay you know he wasn't necessarily a I don't think he even knew about homeschooling but he was wise enough to know that you have a college degree you can teach preschool right so that's what I did but in the in the process I was looking for schools and so I had developed this reputation as being a person who attended all the homes, all the open houses in the area. So I visited every school you could think about, all the private schools. And um, I wanted him to I wanted my um, my top school was Washington International School. Mm -hmm. That was like where our son was going. Okay, And then we went to um, an open house and. You know, because my husband would let me do all the research and he would say, you know, once you've narrowed it down, I'll come with you. Right. So we went to the open house and, you know, I love the fact that they didn't incorporate, you know, American holidays and stuff like that. It was very global. Mm-hmm. And when we left, he was like, you're not sending my son to that school. OK. There are no black people there, not even the cleaning people. Oh, man. And I was like. You know, I hadn't even noticed that. I was right. just thinking about the educational piece. Right. And so he just kept vetoing every school that I came up with. And I, at the time, we were a part of an organization called Black Alliance for Educational Options. Okay. And so we attended a conference in Dallas. And they had a workshop. I had heard about homeschooling, but had no interest in it. And we attended this workshop. And when we came out of the workshop, we looked at each other like, that's it. That's it. That's what we're going to do. We're going to homeschool. Wow. And he was, he had to, you know, he was, I think uh, Zion was five years old and he was firm. He was the type of person, once he made a decision, that was it. But me, I was, you know, wishy-washy. Mm-hmm. I went mm-hmm. back and forth. Every year, I would secretly still attend open houses oh. and I was on the fence <laughs> okay. until he was 12 years old and it was another homeschool mom so wait a minute you, he went to school from you taught home from 5 
to I was homeschooling the whole time. But you were still going to the open houses. I was still going to the open houses. I was still looking for that perfect fit. Okay. But all the time I'm homeschooling and we're developing this lifestyle because my my husband was self-employed. Okay. He traveled a lot. So we made our own schedule. So he my son could come with him and he took him on business meetings. In fact, he used to travel with him so much that people thought he was a single dad. Gotcha. But we had that freedom because Mm -hmm. I was homeschooling but Mm -hmm. he didn't know I was still looking for schools and when he was 12 years old he'd gotten into a program that um, would prepare him to go into an independent school but I had already set him up in all these wonderful camps and I sat down and I talked to a very wise homeschool mom and she Mm -hmm. asked me you know what is it that you really want for your son what is your vision you know what is your mission statement why are you doing this right and I thought about it And I realized that I was fearful. Mm -hmm. I was fearful of, you know, what if something happens? What if I have to go back to work? What if I'm not doing the right thing? And then, you know, at that moment, I made the decision that, you know what, I'm going to get off the fence. I'm going to, you know, put both feet on the ground. And this is it. This is what we're doing until high school. Until high school. Until high school. (laughs) The plan was to send him to high school. But when we got to that point. There was another shift. And I said to myself, sending him to high school now would be going backwards because right. he's, he's he's probably so far advanced, so far advanced, not just academically, but maturity and expectation. And um, one of the reasons that I wanted to homeschool him, my son specifically, is because I didn't want him to fall into the trap of thinking that being educated was somehow not cool. And I know that can happen sometimes, you know, um, for whatever reason in the classroom. And, you know, this whole cool posture, you know, you got to you can't know this or you you uh, you know, you just have to really disengage from this whole process. And I never wanted that for him. Right. And um, so when he got to high school, I'm like, there are homeschoolers that are graduating from college at 16. Oh, wow. Why would I send him? It would, I thought to myself it would be redundant. Yeah. And, um, you know, by that time, he's a musician. He's doing so many things. His schedule is so busy. And so we just decided we're going to go all the way through. Wow. And I always tell this funny, I tell this, share this funny story about having not been in an institution. So there's just certain things that you don't know, like... For a long time, he didn't know what a quiz was because when you homeschool, you're teaching to mastery. It's no, you take a quiz and you get 70 and you pass. Go on to the next No, that means 30% of the material was incorrect. So we're going to go back and we're going to figure out what went wrong here. Mm. So he was taking a class at University of Maryland called um, um, Math and Physics through Fire Dynamics. And so he's making these flashcards for, you know, to prepare him for his test, Mm -hmm. you know, something that he's not familiar with. And so I asked Mm. him, I said, "Um, would you like me to quiz you with your flashcards? And he said, no, why? You know, I'm going to have them with me when I'm taking the test. So why? And I'm like, no, baby, it doesn't work like that. You can't take your flashcards into a quiz. Right. You have to you know, commit this to memory. Right. And it was such a foreign concept to him. You know, the, the whole, um, I don't know what he was thinking, but well, yeah, you just, you just put it in there till you need it for the test. It goes right out and then you go to the next subject. Right. That's how they're socialized. That's how they're taught. Yeah. And so that was, I just, I laugh about that to this day because he was really heartbroken because he's like, I'm, I'm real, I'm trying to absorb this information and I'm, and you mean I'm not going to be able to use it? Nope. Nope. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about what does a, so now how old are your children now? Um, what grades are they in? Okay, so I don't really do grades. Okay. But, I mean, if we were doing grades, my oldest is 12th grader. Okay. My youngest is a 7th grader. Oh, wow. But okay. um, I really focus on the level and what it is that they need and mm-hmm. mastery. Okay. Now, so let's talk about what a typical day in the life is like. How do you 
create, is it still curriculum? How do you pull the resources together to create this experience for them? Okay. Ooh, that's, that's a loaded, whenever I'm on <laughs> Facebook and I see somebody post a message like, I'm new to homeschooling, what curriculum do you use? I'm like, I don't answer those questions because okay. it, that's really an hour long conversation. Okay. Because so many things go into play. I mean, A, when did you, did you, pull your child out of school because of a bad experience. Okay. If you did, then the rule of thumb is you de-school for the number of years your child was in school. So let's just say you pull your child out in sixth grade because they've, you know, they've been having terrible experience and you've decided, you know what, this is it. So that's what, six years of mm-hmm. compulsory school? Mm-hmm. So you want to take a month for every year. So you want to six months. A month for every year. Okay. Get to know your child. What what do they like? What was the problem in school? What interests them? What makes their eyes light up? Do that first before, because anything you buy before that may be a waste of money. You, mm. you need to understand what makes your child tick. Mm-hmm. Like what interests them? How do they learn? Mm-hmm. Um, I thought I was going to be able to save money and reuse all the curriculum that I use with Zion, with Zayende, and I've got children on two opposite ends of the spectrum. My, oh, wow. my, my oldest is more left brain, but he can be a right brain too. But my, my youngest is com- totally, I really work with him. Okay. Totally right brain, kinesthetic, tactile, visual. I mean, he's teaching me stuff. Oh, he's wow. pulling me further out the box. So okay. you have to start there before, you know, you choose a curriculum. Um, and so for me, um, so my oldest right now is he's dual enrolled, so he's taking college classes mm-hmm. at UDC. Okay, and he's I'm still you know homeschooling him, but his learning is more independent, more self directed. Um, this year, um, home uh, entrepreneurship is going to be a big part oh, of our yes. homeschool. Oh, Everybody yeah. has to have a stream of income. That's right. So my oldest is going to launch a t-shirt line. Um, my husband was a clothing designer and okay. he had his own line of t-shirts. So we're going to re- relaunch that. My youngest, he's re- so much like his father. He's been selling since he could say the word sell. Oh, wow. I caught him reselling hot uh, uh, Halloween candy, you know, and be, uh, when I first I was upset, but then I thought about um, an article I read about Sean Puffy Combs, who mm-hmm. who was making seven hundred dollars a week when he was twelve years old because mm. he had subcontract subcontracted out his uh, paper routes. So I'm said, okay, let me look at this hustle in a positive light. Right, and so his business is selling um, essential oils bath bombs so I'm kind of incorporating another one of my businesses in to you know teaching him right right um and so that's a part of um our homeschool and of course you know the traditional math and the writing and you know the so-called core subjects Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but um a lot of what we do is driven by what what it is they love the most because okay. they're both very musical. Okay. So music lessons and and gigging and when you know when stuff comes up that they would not be able to do if they were in traditional school, I let them do because right. you know I I put the lesson aside for that day because there's so much they can learn in that opportunity, especially mm-hmm. my youngest son because you you know you're with adult musicians. Okay. You know you you learn about time management. You have to be there on time. You have to collaborate. You have to take instru- it's just so much oh, yeah. that that is wrapped up in those life experiences. Right. So I I you know I, I call myself an eclectic homeschooler but right. I also want to be flexible. And you know, right before we started homeschooling, I spent hours and hours coming up with this lesson planning template and I had filled it all out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then you start homeschooling and then you're then you realize or I realize, you know what, I've I've put too much on this. We're not going to be able to get through this right. all day. So I right. had to be, you know, I had to get real and check myself. So right. what is the most important? OK. You know, what is it that they enjoy? Because I. One of my goals was to make sure that they always preferred to be homeschooling. I didn't want them to be reluctantly 
um, homeschooled. Okay. You know, homeschooled. And, right. And, and, you know, pining to go to school. Right. Never had that. Hmm. With either one of them. So now, what time do they get up? Like, what is the day? Do they do they start at nine? Start okay. at so end at three. Um. So it depends. So my for my oldest, he's his classes at UDC on Monday and Wednesday. Okay. And he's also doing SAT prep. Mm-hmm. Um. Through another organization, so he's up early. And yeah. before that, I always believed in letting a child sleep until they wake up. Okay. So. My daughter would love you for that. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then that gave me time in the morning to do stuff for me. Mm-hmm. And so when they when they up, like you got to be up at least by 10. Okay. okay. Anything mm-hmm. beyond that is ridiculous. You right. Know? So you're up and, and we're getting our day moving by that time. But he's out. My oldest is he's out of the house early on Monday and Wednesday. Tuesday and Thursday um, is different because he doesn't have classes on that day. So you know, teenagers can sleep all day. So I just kind of let him wake up when he wakes up, but he's, he's writing music now. So when he wakes up, so I don't have like a rigid schedule, right? I have a routine and I have expectations and goals. These are things that need to be accomplished. Okay. So now you, my oldest, you need to manage your time well, and you need to get them done. Of course I check in Mm -hmm. and all that. And so, you know, he wakes up in the morning, his wake up routine is he wakes up and he starts to write music. Okay. And I can, I can hear him, you know, I'm usually in the living room and I hear him, um, I can hear him whispering like lyrics and all this kind of stuff. Okay. Um, and my youngest used to wake up earlier, but now he wakes up later. So when he wakes up, we have, I do have a routine for him. Okay. So when he wakes up, we do um, what's called brain integration exercises. Okay. And then we do what I call morning recitation. So he's right now, he's memorizing a poem by Lister Velt Middleton yes. called The Origin of Things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are other um, like Kamali Academy Pledge and the um, Black National Anthem. I just uh, every morning we're reading through those things because I want I want it to be in his heart. I right. want him to to know these things. I just want to put that on his spirit. Right. And and then after we do the morning routine, then we get into our core. And of course, there are breaks, mm-hmm. you know, and I always say if. He, my youngest, if he were in school, he'd probably be in trouble all the time because okay. he's <laughs> he's always drumming on something. He's all he's not sitting still, right. and you know, and and sometimes I have to check myself because I think that in order for you to learn, you need to sit still. Right. Yeah. Like, can you just sit still? Can you just stop? Right. And he's like, Mom, <laughs> as he's drumming, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm right. like, okay, right. okay. Let me pull myself right. out of the box and understand right. that he. We don't have to be at a table. We don't have to be at a desk. And you know, I don't have to be standing in front of the chalkboard, but right. we're still learning. learning. Right. And so I try to finish up our day by four or three, something like that, because that whole socialization piece that people fear that yes. homeschoolers aren't getting. Right. Well, the truth is you can over socialize over socialize because homeschoolers oh, yeah. have so many options in this area but he's in, he's in a, I always make it a point of putting them in an after school program so that okay. they can you know be friends with people who live in our community the boys and girls club was mm-hmm. a big part of that for both of my children mm-hmm. um, and now my um, youngest is in a tennis program so these are children who are coming to these programs who live in from our community school. from school okay and so he gets to have fun with them and get to know them and not feel like you know the odd man out yeah. I don't know anybody because I don't go to school right okay I love that I love that so now, what about you said two different terms, unschooling and deschooling? Mm-hmm. They're different. Yes. Okay. What are, What are the differences? So unschooling is um, is an approach to homeschooling, and okay. people are under the misguided concept that it means you do nothing with your child, but that's so far from the truth. Oh goodness. Yeah, that's what some people think about unschooling. Okay. But unschooling is more child directed, meaning that an unschooler would necessarily go and pick up 
pick out a box curriculum because they're really focused on their child. One of my closest friends is an unschooler. Okay. And her children are documentary filmmakers. So obviously she's been doing something with her children. Right. And what she allowed them to do was to learn through what they love the most. And that was movie making. That was technology. That was media. And so that is what... um, that is what taught them the things that they needed to know, the the English and the grammar and the spelling and because they have to write scripts. I mean, it's just, yep. Yep. you know, I mean, <clears throat> like I said in the beginning, I was an unschooler. Mm-hmm. Um, I did not use a curriculum. The right. only curriculum I used was math and I used something called Singapore math. I, I chose it quite randomly. Okay. I, I I read an article that the top math students in the world were from Singapore oh, wow. and they use Singapore math. Okay. So I said, oh, hey, I'm homeschooling. Reach for the stars. Yeah. We're going to use Singapore math. Yeah. Um, and so but other outside of that, in the early years, like before age eight, um, before we did classical conversations, I unschooled. And so the things that I wanted to teach him. I taught him through what he loved. My oldest was obsessed with basketball. He used to watch hour-long Michael Jordan documentaries. Wow. So we learned geography through basketball. Like, what what team is from here? Um, And to make it interesting, you know, we would identify jerseys and all that kind of stuff because the end goal was to get that knowledge in there. So it might as well be through something that they love. love. Right. And... um, and um, and so that's what that was my approach with my um, with my oldest. And I think what I did in, in homeschooling, you make mistakes. OK. And so after age eight, you know, my my husband got sick. OK. And I felt and I was running back and forth to the hospital. And, you know, life happens, too, when you're homeschooling. Right. And so I joined Classical Conversations okay. because I needed something like stable, something regular that we would be doing on a regular basis. So every Tuesday we went to Classical Conversations. He got the core. Okay. I would build on that throughout the week, okay. you know, because, we again, we were back and forth to the hospital. Hmm. And then from there, that's when I started getting into curriculums. Because after that first year, I felt like I didn't have any control over his learning. Because okay. when you're in classical conversations, they have curriculum that you must use for this program. Okay. And it was Eurocentric. Okay. It was extremely Eurocentric. Okay. In fact, I went to, um, they have these things called practicums yeah. where you come and they teach the parents and they teach the children. Mm-hmm. And I remember asking one of the presenters, why isn't the Harlem Renaissance included in the history timeline? Mm-hmm. And she said, oh, only pivotal moments in history are included in the timeline. Mm-hmm. And I was like, got you. Mm-hmm. And so after that, I realized, you know what? Our history is pivotal. Right. And we can learn about world history through our history. Right. And so there was no way I was going to pull well, not pull, but not have my child in a traditional school setting and then turn around and have him taught as if he were in a traditional school setting. Right. Right. And so that was that was the end of it for me. Okay. Um and I'm not putting down the program. Right. There's some great components right. to it. My son learned his multiplication tables, um, but I really wanted more control mm-hmm. over his learning, and I want—I definitely wanted him to be taught from an African-centered perspective because why not? Why not? <laughs> why not? Why not? Okay, so let me ask about this, because this is what I think about, and these are some of the questions that I know that people have. How do they... How like there's standards that come with different states mm-hmm. and there's different tests like in Virginia, you have to take the SOL standards mm-hmm. of learning. Mm-hmm. Now, what I do know is that they stress it doesn't count for college. Mm-hmm. Only the SAT counts for college. But the standard of learning specifically in Virginia does not count. They stress my child out mm-hmm. trying to learn that test. The teachers were stressed out. The administrators were stressed out. The superintendent's office was stressed out because they had to get this certain level, I guess, a certain number. Mm -hmm. So I didn't even know 
that I could opt my child out of those tests, at least oh. in, in middle school and elementary school. So I go around some sisters and they were like, don't don't let your baby take that test because she was stressed out. Mm-hmm. If she was okay with the test and you know, mm-hmm. whatever, but she was not. So I opted her out the last two years of middle school mm-hmm. and it was she felt so much better because she was having headaches. Right. I can only imagine. So I take her to the doctor and they said, my child has stress. Wow. I'm like, what is this? This is crazy. So I took her out. Now in high school, it's required for graduation. So the stakes are higher. The stakes are higher. So now when I was graduating high school in 89 and 85 in New Jersey, they introduced this new test that our class had to pass in order to graduate high school. Right. Mm -hmm. So they had four years to prepare us and they stressed us out. And I just remember thinking, you know, how crazy it was. And they were putting us in all these different, like, instead of just doing regular learning, we're learning to pass this test. Makes no sense. To pass this test. So now she's back in, you know, she's in traditional school. And so now she's, you know, having to pass this test. But I told the teachers, I mean, you know, I told the principal, I told her, um, I told her, uh, counselor I told everybody I'm clear on what this test is for you're not gonna stress my child out mm-hmm. you're not gonna stress my child out she's gonna and do the, the whatever tests are for funding so they can get it's for funding, funding. Okay. yeah it's for democ- they 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 rate all these different things but at the bottom line is money mm-hmm. to, for, for the schools right so you know it was just one of those things where that's why I can see how this is different now I'm sure there are still stressors with um, homeschooling because you have to write the curriculum you have to keep the kids on track but what are the standards like so a college gets a college gets your son's application and it says that he's been homeschooled now I know that he has college credits because you just said he's taking college credits but do all homeschool children take college courses for those who don't when the application comes to the college and it says homeschooled I was told recently like in the last month that Colleges don't like to see that. They don't weigh it as heaven, heavily, sort of like they don't weigh University of Phoenix or whatever those schools are. Those are online. They don't count those. They don't weigh as heavily as a the traditional school's credits do. What do you think about that? Well, I think that's a bunch of baloney. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's, it's so not true. Okay. Um, first of all, um, homeschoolers can take the SAT. And even though I don't agree with the philosophy, but uh, if you take the SAT score and you do well, it mm-hmm. it kind of justifies your homeschool existence. Okay. Um, so that's one way around that. Okay. Homeschoolers, um, like I said, it's legal in all 50 states. Yep. And God bless the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. I, I um, encourage every homeschooler to have a membership with them because they don't play. And okay. if somebody tries to play with you, okay. they have your back. Okay. Um, oh, and so... If you homeschool your child, you have the right to award your child a diploma. Okay. Um, and, uh, you know, it is suggested that you have detailed information, your course descriptions, your book list, your activities, the activity resume, everything that your child did, like a CV. Right, right. And you submit that. Homeschoolers are going to college all the time. Right. Um, my well, Another one of my closest friends, her son was homeschooled. He's at Morehouse on a scholarship, oh, top wow. debater. Oh, wow. Uh, another homeschool mom friend of mine, her daughter is at the new school in New York. Yeah. Another homeschool friend of mine. Need I go on? Right. Her daughter's at um, Hampton University on a full scholarship. So right. homeschool is not going to college is a myth. Okay. It's a, a myth. It's a myth. You take the SAT, you submit your transcript. There are some schools that are test optional. And here's the, here's the other workaround that a lot of smart homeschoolers are taking so that their child isn't burdened with educational loans. Mm. You can go to community college for two years yeah. and transfer. And then you bypass the, the um, SAT altogether. Oh, wow. All together. Okay. Because there's no need for it at that point because you have demonstrated that you have the ability to do college level work. Right. So then you just transfer at with an associate's degree into a two year university and thereby saving money, money in the right, process. Right. So that's that's a myth. You don't have to um 
you know, not homeschool for that reason. Right. Um, I mean, you know, homeschoolers can do just about anything that non-homeschoolers can do. do. So recently, like a few weeks ago, I took my daughter to this pre-SAT like training and then they took the test and um, then the parents were being, um, we had a workshop with a financial aid person and an admissions person and all those different things. And it was really interesting to hear them talk and it was really based on money mm-hmm. it, the education I, I know and it it's was a business all, it was all um african you know african-american families there middle class probably families there um but and then the people that they had coming to speak to us were the same but i could see that they were kind of just like don't do this because then you won't be able to get money don't do that because you won't be able to get money and my mindset and is money is gonna come yeah. to me so yeah. i was thinking some of those things I don't necessarily think we should stay away from. So like an example, this one lady that I found on YouTube or something is an unschooler Mm -hmm. and she and her husband were in Atlanta for years and they had whatever resources and then apparently they lost everything Mm. and then they moved to South Africa. And then do you know that person? I think I've seen their channel. Yeah. Yeah. And so they moved to South Africa and their daughters are basically seven and nine now. And they work at a bakery, the bakery up the street that's been there for decades. But because I guess South Africa, Yep, I guess because gentrification is happening, it happens all over the world, but it's happening in South Africa in this village that they're in. This family was having trouble keeping up with the orders and keeping up with, um, competing with the new like the Starbucks that's up mm-hmm. the street so any amount of resources little baby hands who love to bake who want to learn who want to put the boxes together who mm. want to you know who want to learn these things that's, these little girls are that's learning school right there right so I was thinking about like what does the self-esteem of the children like how you said they can do anything. How does that relate? I, this little this lady said that her little babies come home whistling down the street after <laughs> a long day at because the bakery. Because children want to work. Children want to feel valued. You right. know, they want to do something. Right, right. You know, any. I mean, in addition to the history piece, which was central to me, um, you know, children don't have to be dumbed down. They can be empowered to do things. Like right. I said... You know, my youngest son is teaching me. I was not a YouTuber at all, Uh but he always has been. Uh Um, And I remember waking up one morning, his PlayStation wasn't working or something. And I woke up and he was on the phone with customer service troubleshooting I'm like what don't you ever tell me you can't research something right you know you research when the, what you want yeah and so when the motivation is there um, when the opportunity is there you know our children can do amazing things right and I just you know my oldest son um, when his father was living he used to work with him right because he he had a contract to put magazines in gift shops mm-hmm. and I remember him telling me Zion was seven at the time and I remember him telling me that he understands this better. I've had to fire adults. He can do this better than some adults. And right. he, he, I don't care what field trip I had planned. When it was work day, he said, I'm going with daddy. Right. And he was, he expected his pay at the end of the day as well. Right. right. So entrepreneurship, <laughs> you said your son is going to be taking entrepreneurship or he is already? Well, I mean, we're, it's not going to be a class. Right. This is going to be. But he's going to be learning it oh, at yeah. a different level. So this yes. is my thing. The little girls are learning at the bakery. And then um, I was listening to these ladies or to these people talk to us about this college and making sure that you go to college. And the, a parent asked about a leap year, mm-hmm. a gap, gap year, year, right? Gap year. Uh-huh. And they were like, don't do the gap year because then you won't be able to get money. And I was thinking, so not true. what type of experience could these people, could these children have? Like, my goal is to educate my child around the world. I want to be traveling with her all over the world and get that to be her education. So these yeah, homeschoolers who are in South Africa, they have they were talking about unschooling. And then I started to find other unschoolers and they travel around the world mm-hmm. and they're able to go to the schools there mm. for like a month. 
and learn there. If they're like squatting in Vietnam, they mm-hmm. can go to the schools in Vietnam. If they're squatting in Peru, they can do that. That's an education. That certainly is. sitting in the classroom anywhere. In learning the U- outdated US, stuff. Learning outdated stuff. So entrepreneurship, you know, we are teaching the traditional parents. The traditional schools are teaching the children to go to school then to go to college and then work for somebody else until they're 67 or 72 and then live their dreams. They're not teaching them to run their own stuff. (laughs) Right. Or be dead. Right. Right. They're not teaching them to have your own, to create your own. And the fact that you can, and you don't have to go in and fund somebody else's dream while you're just, you know, so that's what I love about the entrepreneurship piece and those little girls at the bakery. Mm -hmm. And you said your son is taking entrepreneurship. I'm a new entrepreneur Mm -hmm. and I'm teaching um, my daughter the same thing. So now when I do events, she's my videographer, photographer. That's right. And so, you know, I'm paying her money. So this last Saturday, we were in New York for an event. Now, my daughter is a traditional teenager. She's like in the Snapchat. She's getting <laughs> angles. She's getting the correct lighting, right? Mm. But at my event, she didn't do that. Uh-oh. And my pictures didn't come out good. <laughs> and the, the stuff that I wanted to get, the shots that I wanted did not come, mm. right? So when I paid her, I, I gave her half of her That's pay. That's right. I said, because you didn't get she said, well, but she had all these excuses. Mm-hmm. I said, I have seen you get your angles. I have seen you go out on my balcony and get the sun <laughs> when it's just setting just so. Get out of here. Right. So that, you know, but money is a is a is you an know, incentive. It's, it's an incentive to do things. And so I believe that that's another thing that homeschooling gives that self-esteem. Yes. Like you don't have to be like everybody else. You're learning a whole bunch of stuff that the other children are not learning. And nobody's nobody's good or nobody's bad if your child is in a a traditional setting my child is in a traditional setting but now that i know other options i can i teach her on my own and i call it mommy's classroom Mm -hmm. that's what i call it and whenever it's time to like we're one of the donors of the museum when we were going through the hard hat phase and going through the the fundraising phase and just going through all those different phases and we were always invited to things at the museum Everything there is beautiful, but then there's some other things that ain't there. Mm-hmm. We're not beginning at slavery there. Mm-hmm. So my child knows I went to Kemet. I studied with Tony Browder and went and went into the um, the tombs and things. And so I'm telling her I'm passing that on. That's right. right. So last year, in ninth grade history class, they're talking about um, the beginning of civilization and then they said please don't tell me Constantinople they said something in Europe my Mm-mm. daughter was like mm, no it started in East Africa Kemet Sudan you know Nubia that's right Ethiopia and the teacher was like I'm not sure about that oh and my really? daughter says well my mom went so I am sure about that <laughs> that's right so you know She's still in that setting, but she got her mama. That's and right. Then she has her dad and but my mom. But imagine those people. who don't. That's the that's the sad part. Imagine coming those out who don't. and not knowing. Right. So you know? for for the listeners, you have options. That's right. You don't. If your child is not thriving, if your child is, if you have a little flexibility, if you want to consider something else, Sankofa Homeschooling Collective. How can they find you? You're here in the DMV. How can they find you? Where do you meet? What days? Okay. So um, you can find us on Facebook, Sankofa Homeschool Community. Um, we also have a website, uh, www.sankofahomeschool.org. Um, and I also blog about homeschooling African-American okay. boys. And my blog is Chocolate Covered Boy Joy. Okay. Okay, that's awesome. So, and you meet on what days? And how many people, how many parents are there? How do you find the teachers? Oh, wow. Instructors. Okay, so we look around um, in our community and we look at the talent that's there. Okay. And we also look within the homeschool community for people who, um, you know, who have one parent is working and another is not mm-hmm. what what did you do before you were working we, right. we found our best poetry teacher that way um, mm-hmm. a brother who used to be a journalist I believe and you know he, he was our poetry teacher for many years and something interesting happened along the way um, we looked up and most of our instructors are men oh wow um, and that's unusual in an educational setting mm-hmm. and um uh, last session, we had an instructor who had to go back to Jamaica, mm-hmm. and we were replacing him with a woman. And my son said to me, 
mom, I don't want a woman for a teacher. <laughs> and I was like, what? You know, I was a little offended at right, first because right. like, I'm your mama, I'm uh, your well, first teacher. Right. But I realized, you know, when I got out of my feelings that every one of his teachers that day was a man. Wow. From nine o'clock to okay. eight o'clock. Okay. All men. All men. Well, that's awesome. That's an awesome experience. <laughs> and that is not something that the students would get in a traditional school. Absolutely I had one black not. teacher my whole career in, you know, the traditional school schooling. I think so. I can remember one man in my educational yep. career one, as well. Fourth grade, Mr. Thomas. <laughs> man, so thank you so much. This thank is you. so enlightening. And I hope that if you you know, we'll look up Sankofa uh, Homeschooling Collective. Just consider another option. You have other options. If your children are not thriving, they're born to thrive. If they're not in the, in the traditional school setting and you feel like your hands are tied and you're frustrated and you feel like they don't have your back, this is just another option to consider. Maybe Sankofa is not it, but at least it'll open your eyes to something that might be near you in your state and in, in your community somewhere. I appreciate your time. Thank you. This is so exciting. Like, I'm all fired up now. <laughs> I'm going to have to, like, come up with some more things for my daughter to experience because she, she's going to be where she is. That's right. And she's finally happy there. Oh, she wasn't good. always happy in that setting. So she's happy. I just have to keep my eye on... Um, what, what, she's what they're talking about on that curri- you know, yeah, on that right. uh, on that curriculum. And then for those of you, thank you again for joining us in the sanctuary. Please follow us at Awaken and Heal on Instagram and goddess-awaken.com to follow the revolution. Talk to you next time.